Hi, everyone. This is Ryan Lizza, the host of Playbook Deep Dive. We've got a very special bonus episode for you today. We tape this live with Major Garrett, CBS News' Washington correspondent and the host of The Takeout, an excellent podcast that you should listen to, at Politico and CBS News' White House Correspondents' Dinner Reception. The show features guests such as Senator Mark Warner, Asa Hutchinson, the GOP presidential candidate and former Arkansas governor, comedian Roy Wood Jr., who provided the entertainment at the dinner, and many other big names in the world of politics and media, and even a special guest appearance by my fiance, Olivia Nuzzi. See if you can guess what she said under that bleep. This originally aired live on Sirius XM, but it's just so good that we had to put it out here for all of you to enjoy. Live from the White House Correspondents' Dinner in Washington, D.C., this is a special edition of The Takeout with Major Garrett in collaboration with Politico Playbook's Deep Dive podcast. Here now is CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett. Welcome to the White House Correspondents' Dinner pre-party with Politico. I'm joined by Ryan Lizza. Ryan, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Major. Thanks for having me with you. So what's going on here? Yes, it's the pre-party. It's Politico and CBS News. We're right on the patio of the Washington Hilton. Very soon, the White House Correspondents' Dinner will begin. And one thing you need to know about the White House Correspondents' Dinner, all the intelligence is real. It's the sincerity that's artificial. (laughs) So, this is all on POTUS Channel 124 on Sirius XM. And here's the setup. We're going to have people come to the microphones randomly. We've got a couple of guests waiting in the wings right now. We'll get to them soon. And, of course, because this is Washington, literally everyone here has a podcast. Everyone in Washington has a podcast. I have one. It's called The Takeout. Ryan Lizza has a very, very good podcast. It's called The Deep Dive. And this is a collaborative effort, little cross-podcast pollination. That's what we call in the biz, right? right? Synergy, we used to call it. Oh, God, back I hate in the that 90s. word. All right. Who are the yeah. guests waiting Mark, in the wings? One of our guests knows a little bit about that. Yeah, Senator Mark Warner of Virginia, Democrat. No podcast. Yes, he has 17 <laughs> podcasts. They're all on TikTok, by the way, oh. ladies and gentlemen. Senator Waters, great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mary. What do you think about TikTok? Talk to us about that while we're here. Once note of seriousness, then we'll have some fun. Note of seriousness is we got to have a system of rules that deals with technology from adversarial nations that gives TikTok or anybody else a day in court. Now, even dealing with TikTok means we still got to deal with privacy laws in this country. We yep. still got to deal with you know, Section 230. We still got to deal with kids' online safety. But there is something different when you've got an entity that 150 million Americans listen to, right. average 90 minutes a day, maybe a little more than they listen to CBS or Politico. Possibly. Possibly. And the potential to both collect your data and also potentially be a misinformation disadvantage. Yes. And Senator Warner, I want to thank you very much for putting that knife right in the side of me <laughs> on that whole audience <laughs> thing. Yeah. Thank you very much. Really. Minutes, it feels so like good you know, on a Saturday can... night. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Stephen Portnoy is also at our microphones. Stephen is the celebrated past president of the White House Correspondents' Dinner, presided over an epic dinner last year. Stephen, great to see you. It's good to be with you and Ryan. There we go. We've got the microphones working. They'll eventually catch up. We've got the hamsters spinning in the wheels as rapidly and as maniacally as possible. All right. Well, it's good to be here. You know, this is a dinner that's been underway for about 100 years now. It really is an American tradition, certainly a Washington tradition, mm-hmm. and it's an important night. You know, it's, it's much maligned, and people love to criticize it, but I think it's an important emblem of the intersection of 
the media, the, the, the politicians who govern the country, and an opportunity for all of us to do what we intended to do 100 years ago. Oh, no, which is, see, we normally like to be referred to as the policymakers. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> the lawmakers, the policymakers. The, yes. What did he call it? The politicians. politicians. Oh, yes, right. yeah, there's no shame in that. Detail, detail. Maybe some, maybe some uh, Supreme Court justices here yes, tonight, look, too. Yeah. Uh, and the, and the, the maligning of this dinner, as you well know, Ryan, is about all the parties around it and all the sort of self-congratulatory, aren't we in the press great? I have yeah. a hard time with that. But the dinner... New York Times still is not allowed to come to this dinner. Right. They, they arm's length because it's not a place that the New York Times, that a Timesman or a Timeswoman oh, ought no. to be. Sometimes you see them milling about. They the are, yes. They're milling parties. at the periphery. They want to be in here. They right want to be in here so <laughs> badly, so badly. But the dinner itself raises money, as you well know, Stephen, That's for right. a very important cause. What is that? Well, scholarships for dozens of promising young journalists. And, and, and you know, this is the primary fundraiser for the WHCA each year. The WHCA has been around since 1914, since the days of Woodrow Wilson, who was reluctant to hold press conferences, and the organization was founded to advocate for those interactions between reporters and the president they cover. Uh, tonight, Tamara Keith, the president of the WHCA, is expected to uh, deliver remarks that touch on Evan Gershkovich, the yes. Wall Street Journal reporter who's been wrongfully detained and held in Russia. Uh, CBS News has brought Brittany Griner here tonight. Yep. She is, a, uh, of course, the, the WNBA star who was held in Russia and recently released. And we also expect Tam to reference uh, Deborah Tice, the mother of yes. Austin Tice, the, the freelance reporter who worked for CBS News, The Washington Post, McClatchy, and other organizations who was taken in Syria in 2012. Yep. I had the honor of pointing to Mrs. Tice in the audience last year. The president met with her shortly thereafter. And thereafter, both parents appeared on this very program to talk about Austin Tice. Your thoughts, Senator Warner, about well, my, my the press is, and these all well, these issues Stephen just Well, first raised. of all, I, I just I want to put a little bit of context here. But Stephen was talking about how the... the origins and legacy of, um, of this in, important dinner. I do believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but during the, the Wilson administration, Major, you were only a lieutenant. <laughs> only a lieutenant, that's right. And, and, and President Biden was uh, just a very young uh, member of that administration, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Senator Warren, but, but, yes. but the notional idea of, of the I've never heard that military joke I, I, before. I, 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 never, uh, but I had, yeah, an opportunity, I, <laughs> I had an opportunity to meet Evan uh, in a social setting huh. a couple years back. It is outrageous, you know, that even in the midst of the Cold War, Russians would not snatch you know, this kind of incredibly important journalist off their streets. I think it, it, it I hope, makes the point that you know, there should be no, nowhere, no matter where we fall on the political spectrum, we cannot allow Vladimir Putin and this kind of brutal tactics to win out. Why do you think that's happening? I mean, Russia must feel like it can get away with this in ways it didn't before. Is that your point? Well, I think there is, as the, as the barriers get down, as we do try to take more and more trade out as we try to you know, sanction Putin appropriately. And, and it's what's wacky to me is that there are people that don't seem to recognize that. And some policymakers, maybe they're not even policy, these are the politicians. Yes, right, the, big difference. The politicians were to kind of say, hey, we, we really think it's important that we deal with China and President Xi, but Putin we don't care about. They are inexorably linked. Right. I want to, well, Stephen, yes, you're raising your hand. Well, only to say that, that, that this is nothing new. And I was, I, I've done an interview recently with the Committee to Protect Journalists about the idea that people who target journalists do it because they can get away with it. The idea that they can have impunity. Uh, just a quick plug, Major, and I hope yes. you'll forgive me. Go right ahead. Me. You plug away. At the end of this month, Memorial Day weekend, yep. CBS, the CBS Radio Network is going to be doing a three-hour documentary 
the first in a long time, about the death of George Polk, the CBS News correspondent who was murdered in Greece in 1948. You've heard of the George Polk Awards? Mm -hmm. What you might not know is that our reporter was killed in Greece in 1948, targeted for his journalism. And I've been traveling all over the world to Greece and London and to research this story. I'm proud to present it. Memorial Day weekend, so stay tuned oh, that for that. Sounds great. That is a plug, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Shameless. Shameless, but a good one, a valuable Wait, one. Wait, I have one question, Senator Warren. It's not as serious. Yep. You're wearing an aura ring. Yes. You're, are you worried about the any of the, the safety of that data? I am not worried about the safety of the data. I do worry at times, especially if I've had soda or a glass of wine, about a man of my age, how many times I have to go to the... <laughs> And it so, will tell you yes, that. Yes, and, and we're right not right. FCC protected. Uh, you can say bathroom. Can, it's okay. Say, really. Although, although I, I got to do one last thing, one last shout out yes. for the White House correspondents. I think you need to shout out to our next guest and give him some advice. And, and the, the shout out is simply that, you know, I've come to this event a number of times. My coolest time was the year then when Hollywood came in in Moss. Yes. And I had what year? Is it that? was like or like the, who the? Obama year. It was one of the Obama years where everybody and I got to take my daughter and run up to all these, you know, star-studded guys and say, yes. hey, I'm a senator, will you take a picture with my daughter? Right. I was it the pushy. Then you became a cool dad for one and only for, Like That was like yeah, one exactly. day. Yeah. I know that process. It doesn't last. I know that process. All right, Thank Senator Warner, great to see you. Hey, Thanks, Brian Senator Warner. At the microphones, we're going to go to a quick break here, but while we we got about a minute and a half, and I want to say Mark Warner once ran for president, not no, successfully. No, he never pulled the trigger. No, I only kicked the tires. Yeah, I, I got. A, I had a baseball no, hat. It said, no. it said John Warner he, for president. Quick story. I was writing a profile because I thought he was jumping he was in the race. Yeah, yeah. He called me the night before. Hey, I'm not running. I'm running. <laughs> Asa Hutchinson is at the microphone. He's running. Somebody is. Former governor of Arkansas. Asa, it's good to see you. Great, great to be with you. What an incredible event tonight, honoring journalism and. Uh, and sort of brings people together. It does. It tries. It endeavors. Uh, do you feel any reluctance as a Republican to celebrate journalism? <laughs> Absolutely not. Good. Thank you. And Thank I you. Can that's tell an important, you the reasons that's an important why. question for the record. <laughs> no, my goodness, uh, when you look at journalism, I think about during the pandemic, the message we're trying to get out to the public, journalism is the one that covered the story. Mm -hmm. Journalism is the one that helped get information out, and the public depended upon you. That's one small example, but... You know, we're not adversaries. Uh, sometimes we are, but you know, the tough questions are important for our democracy, and we need to recognize that. Good journalism, and thank goodness for people that are willing to take risks in journalism, go across the globe because they're risks that the global, our, our Western democracies need, and and you all are taking those risks. So thank you. And you might need us in, uh, in the coming months because you have an uphill challenge in this primary, sir. You'll need as many reporters <laughs> following you as you possibly can find. Isn't that right, Asa Hutchinson? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, people call me a long shot candidate. But, you know, when I go duck hunting, the only good shot I've got is a long it's shot. a long shot. That's going right, to be the line, word until line. we go to break. We've got to go to break because this is live radio on Sirius XM, Potus Channel 124. I'm Major Garrett. Back in one moment. Thanks. I'm Major Garrett. Ryan Lizzo is right here with me. Asa Hutchinson, Republican candidate for president 2024, is here. We're at the free party for the White House Correspondents' Dinner on the patio of the Washington Hilton. You can hear all the frivolous noise around us. No frivolous noise at these microphones. One serious political question. We were talking, I think, uh, about you know the second tier of this primary is sort of settling out. When you look at this, is it sort of hopeless as any of those candidates in the second tier to take down one of the first Donald Trump? Or do you just basically have to hope that gravity or some meteorite hitting him 
uh, and I mean this metaphorically, obviously, um, uh, accomplishes that task, and then it becomes a, a, a free-for-all among, among everyone else. That's a strategic question. I know you probably well, want to talk policy, but well, no, no, humor us. First of all, the answer is no. I don't see uh, that that divide cannot be crossed. We are going to cross that divide. And whenever you run for president, you run to win. And, of course, it's very early right now. We've yeah. moved up uh, in the polls uh, from negligible to significant. And, Define uh, significant, Asa Hutchinson. Well, uh, according to your competitors' polls, yes, yes, you know, we're equivalent to uh, the others that already are in the race. And so you know, there is a, a leveling out of that second tier right now. But I, you've seen a lot of movement in uh, you know, Ron DeSantis' numbers uh, mm -hmm. lately. And whenever you look at uh, President Trump, you know, he was down in 2022 after the election. He was down then. And, of course, he got a boost because his campaign manager in New York City uh, issued an indictment. Uh, you know, Alvin, <laughs> Alvin Bragg. I think that's uh, there's some shade being thrown there by Ethan Hutchinson. And, and so, you know, he, everybody has a sympathy factor. Everybody doesn't like somebody getting picked on. And so his numbers shot up. But it is so early. There's going to be a lot happen between now and then, including debates. And so this is about what matters to the American people. And I plan on talking about that. And... When you say everyone sympathizes with someone who's being picked on, will every indictment that may come Donald Trump's way be evidence of him being picked on? Well, the answer is no, except it could be a perception. Mm -hmm. And so, sure, one, he's going to continue to make that argument. Right. It won't always be true. Yeah, and, and, and it all depends upon the substance of it and how it's presented. But also, my case I make is remove all of the indictments, remove all of the investigations, and you still have a candidate that can't win in November. And so I want this decided not in the courtroom, but in the uh, at the ballot box. Let's get a chance for Iowans to vote, and uh, let's, let's let them decide our future. A comedian friend of mine made a, 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 was making the comment that he did so well after the Alvin Bragg indictment that Donald Trump is literally just going to be committing crimes because it's helping him in the primary, taking credit for, you know, cold cases uh, and, and that sort of thing. Um, do you, do you, just to follow up on, on, on what Major was asking you, do you see what's happening in Georgia and what's happening with the Justice Department investigation, either of those as more significant, things that might alienate Republican voters if they um, go forward with indictments the way that Bragg did? Well, or is this just... First of all, whenever you look at Georgia, I think those are some of the most serious allegations. Okay. Everybody can hear that phone call. Yeah. It wasn't a perfect phone call. You it would was, not have made that phone call. I would have made that phone call, and had I been a prosecutor, I would say, wow, let's look at this more closely. And so a lot depends on how that's developed so and that's everything. that's much more serious to you than the Bragg indictments. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then uh, whenever you look at the uh, uh, classified documents in Mar-a-Lago... It got a little sloppy because you had uh, Biden's documents and, and, and others. So, you know, it's un, a little bit unclear as to how that turns out. Yeah. But you got a lot going on. I think there obviously is serious. And my point is the office of presidency is more important than an individual who's under investigation. Let's uplift that office. That's why I said he should step aside, even though I know he's not going to step aside. Asa Hutchinson, I'm a voter in Dubuque. I'm meeting you for the first time. I tell you I'm undecided. Give me your 30-second pitch why I should vote for you. I grew up on a farm just like you. Uh, we're, we're a 
Arkansas is just like small towns. I create jobs, balance the budget for eight years. I've got more experience at the federal and state level than any other candidate in this race. Law enforcement is a big issue to us. Support the law enforcement. It helps us to have a rule of law, solve crime, and uh, make our borders safe and stop the fentanyl from coming in. I can do that. Positive message, though, not as much right now, at least about why the other guy, why you shouldn't uh, uh, like the other guy. Because the chances are this voter in Dubuque already knows one candidate in that race really well and probably likes him quite a bit. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting, though, as I go to Iowa, that the names don't pop up. They really do want to hear uh, what we're doing and what our right. vision is. Uh, uh, Governor, you need to step aside because uh, the Thank you most so important much. guest at this event, Roy Wood Jr., has arrived. Uh, Mr. Wood no. Jr., it is Major Garrett. I welcome you to the microphone. It is great to see you, my brother. Push political officials to the side <laughs> yeah. exactly. for a dude with jokes on index cards. Uh, on index cards. Very analog. Right. Very analog. Yeah. Hey, can I, told, I see those? That's a good this, set. This is my Joe Biden plan. Right. All right, let's, let's, preparing. let's read one of them, just a little preview for our group. No, no. Okay. Weren't you at, weren't you at the right. D.C. Improv last night? Yes, I yes. went to the D.C. Improv. Tell us about that. How did it work? How did it land? I'm just going to tell you names. Names. All right, names. Not topics, right. just the names. Names that will be dropped All tonight right. at the Correspondence Dinner by Roy Wood Jr. Go. Property Brother. Dominion Voting. Uh, the Dad from Family Matters. <laughs> Santos. Santos, of course. Wait, who is Santos? RuPaul's Drag Race. There we go, Drag Race. Mitch McConnell, maybe. Maybe. Depending on how they laugh at another joke. Sure, understood. Do the Mitch McConnell. Harriet Republicans Tubman. say that all the time. Mitch McConnell, maybe. <laughs> Harriet Tubman. Wow. Oh, okay, good. Oh, that's uh, yeah. That's gonna that's gonna be an air break moment. We're gonna sort of slow down for Harriet worry. Tubman. Okay. Harriet Tubman's not here tonight. Right. Okay. I just want to know if Major and I laugh at the Harriet Tubman joke, are we okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. yeah. All right, all right good, good, good. You'll be fine. All right. All right. You'll be fine. Now, there's a there's a couple jokes later. I don't know. You may want to look at a black person first before you laugh. Uh, Don Lemon. Of oh, course. Uh, shocker. Shocker. Trump. Uh huh. Shocker. Uh, let's see, DeSantis, of mm -hmm. course. Right. A little bit of DeSantis. Mm -hmm. um, Rifling through the index cards. Harlan Crow. Of course. Of course. And then at that point, we're in easy money. We're, okay. we're right. Biden and Kamala land. Right. So, so did you go to CBS yourself to get the index cards? No, someone else did, and okay. it looks like they borrowed them from someone else <laughs> who already used them. How many tough Biden jokes do you have? I don't know. That's up to the audience. It right, exactly. Choice. But there are Biden jokes. It ain't my choice to decide whether or not mm -hmm. people laughing or did you, what that mean. Right. But yeah, you have to take shots at the administration a little bit. You sure. figure out a way to make it fun, but you can't. You cannot come on stage at an event like this and ignore yeah. one side of the aisle. That's just not cool. It's not fair. That's not what's up. On a scale of one to ten, ten being as nervous as Roy Wood Jr. has ever been. Where are you on the nervous scale? Forty-eight. Okay. <laughs> What's, what killed last night at the DC Improv? The only thing that comes close was when I did Showtime at the Apollo mm -hmm. in 2001. Okay. I've not felt that feeling. Right. I've had major, like, right. Letterman. Mm -hmm. Like, those were butterflies at the time. Right. But now that I'm a more seasoned comic, I can look back at that and go, oh, okay, that was fine. Right. Yeah. This, I don't know what the hell, bro. Because <laughs> this room is a hard room? 
I don't care if they laugh or not. I'm up there and telling these jokes, and if I bomb, I'll just go to the to the train station. That's the beautiful thing about Washington. You can always just leave. There's always a train. You know, I think people were saying that in the corridors about Diane Feinstein. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think they you might have write been. that down. They could add that yeah. one. Add that to the mix, my Indeed. brother. Do, All so right. Tell us about the improv last night. I got. I got some go. business. We got to go, right, gentlemen? We got to right. go. All right. Good to uh, see you, boys. Right. Wood Jr. Kill it tonight. Have Good fun. Luck, thanks man. for being Good here. Luck. I'm Major Garrett. That's Ryan Lizza. See y'all. Our thanks to Omaha Steaks. Thanks, Come back. Man. We are live here at the White House Correspondents Dinner, Sirius XM, Hodges Channel 124. Ryan, you have a very special guest. I'm going to turn the microphones and all of the orchestration over to you, good yeah, sir. This is Please. where we get. This is where we get. Can- this is where your show gets canceled. Uh, yes, Andrew. yes. We're, we're very gonna, candid interchange. We're going to lighten things up. We yes. have uh, one of the, the great journalists, great in, uh, journalists, American politics, Olivia Nucci, yes. the Washington correspondent for New York Magazine. New who, York Magazine uh, also just happens to be my uh, beautiful fiance. That's Olivia, right, ladies welcome. and gentlemen. When we talk about collaboration, we mean collaboration. Yeah, talk about synergy. <laughs> Tough, tough guest to book. Very tough guest to me book. down Olivia, many times. Olivia, it's great to have you with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's um, what's your what's your sort of uh, what's your take on the White House correspondence dinner? <laughs> what's your honest take? <laughs> Could you be any more mousy? <laughs> Is he being mousy? No, he's being mousy. Tougher question. Tougher question. Why didn't you empty the dishwasher earlier tonight? <laughs> That's what I meant. That's what I meant. I mean, we have a house guest and. It, that's what I meant. In all seriousness, yes. three of your guests here at the dinner up. tonight yes. are from uh, AMC. Yes. You're, you're writing a, a show that has been described as a, a black comedy about American politics. Yes. Tell us what you're allowed to tell us about that show for AMC. Please. Well, it's called A Message from the State. Um, I'm writing it now, so I can't really say too much about it. Um, but it is, uh, you know, it's a, a look at the people uh, in our politics. I know a lot of the shows about politics are about process. Yeah. And this is really more about characters. How much inspiration does a weekend like this give you for a show like that? I think quite a lot. You know, I started writing it uh, during the Trump administration. I thought I might release it as a novel, like Primary Colors, anonymously. Yes, and uh, instead, AMC reached out, and now it's a show. You recently wrote a piece about Stormy Daniels. I did. And, uh, you, you suffered through that deadline. Yeah, I stuck it into that. And uh, you thought about bringing uh, Stormy to the White House Correspondents uh, yes. Dinner. Yes, what was that deliberation like? Just, and so It occurred to me, I don't know, yes. I took an edible, and it okay. occurred to me. And right, <laughs> it happens, especially in D.C. This is a big edible city. And uh, I invited her. And You um, didn't know that, folks, big edible city. Oh, yeah, well, it was actually LSD. It wasn't an edible, I was kind of lying. Um, All right, anyway, and we got to go to a break, everybody. That's and, uh, right. And uh, she was she was too nervous about it. She didn't want to get in, involved. I think it would have been oh, overwhelming. I actually for didn't her. know this. I'm actually yeah. breaking news here. I think here. it would have been overwhelming for her. Yeah. Yeah. Also at the microphones, Matthew Friend, otherwise known as Matt Friend, a friend of the show, the takeout, a friend of mine, just recently, may not last long. Yes. Great comedian Same. and impersonator. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be back with you. The mic sounds amazing. Yes, indeed. Now it does. Now it does. It's a great sound in here. I'm having a splitting headache every time I talk. 
It's like someone's stabbing my ears. Wait, do you work for OAN? For OAN, no. I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what. I'm a comedian. I do a lot of impressions, and that is a nasty question. You're, you should be ashamed of yourself for asking. <laughs> That's All right, does Ron DeSantis watch OAN? So, you know, Florida is the where world goes to die, the free state of Florida. OAN's a great network. They could use a guy like Tucker, a great journalist. We all love him a lot. We're going to lock him up in the prison. We're going to build next to Disney. Just saw Bob Iger told him he loved the idea. Uh, who, who ghost wrote your book, Governor DeSantis? <laughs> Lenny from Of Mice and Men. I thought so. <laughs> but, have, you, have you seen Mitch McConnell here, Matthew? Well, listen, yes, I have. And Mitch McConnell is a big fan of Major Gary. He actually told me to say, the only people who should be at this party are Americans and not African Americans. That's a McConnell quote, not me, by the way, just saying. Yikes, I have to leave. That was Mitch. It was Mitch. I gotta go. Barack Obama still has a place in D.C. Have you seen him around recently? That is true. And I have to say, with all due respect, Major Garrett. That is good. That is good. Hang on a second. Major Garrett, the notion that I am somehow content with being on a show in the middle of a party... Major, that's nonsense, and you should know better. There we go. He's done his homework. That He's Obama is incredible. I appreciate that. Wow. wow. You know, uh, Matthew, you also know Jennifer Coolidge, don't you? Oh, God. But listen, now they're on the radio. I'm serious, right? Yes. Here's what I want to say, right? This is Howard Stern. Okay. And i got to just tell you, right, to all my listeners, Robin Quivers is not here, but I love her a lot. Yes. I know. I know. Right. I know. I know. But you also know Jennifer Coolidge, don't you? Oh, God. Oh, this is a great party. Oh, you look like the 4th of July. <laughs> Dumbass. Who's the hardest political impression that you've ever had to learn? George Santos. No, I'm kidding. Uh, he doesn't even know what he sounds like. Um, the hardest political impression I've had to learn. Ted Cruz has a nasal quality. You know, I have to say this is better than any fiesta I went to in Cancun. And we all know that. We all know that. But the Trump one has evolved like no one's ever seen. And Major Garrett is a great guy. He is a friend of the show. We love him a lot. And I'll tell you what, Sirius XM and the beautiful people, and you know that, right? Olivia, when you're writing your show about contemporary American politics, do you do so pessimistically or optimistically? Oh, good question. Good question. Yeah. Optimistically, because okay. I don't think I don't think there's a lot of because there's a lot of pessimism. People think it's all falling apart, and we are hopeless. Well, optimistically, because I think a lot of the people here are actually very optimistic and right. operating from a place of you know. An they don't come spirit. to destroy the country. They, I don't. They don't. They're they cynics, they but romantic. Even if they are doing that, yeah. right? I, very few people are here with that in mind. No, they right? don't. So um, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of room to. Uh, to explore pessimistically. Right. Yeah. Right. I Richard Taylor Green, so optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah, she's a chart it's topper a in the Optimist Caucus. Yeah. 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 I read in Playbook, uh, Olivia, that you uh, you were talking to Kamala Harris's husband last night, Doug Emhoff, who uh, the second gentleman. The second gentleman. Um, our other guest. Do, uh, do you know either of those folks? Doug Emhoff, I actually met him, and he came up to me at the party. And I was trying to get you to do an impression. I know. <laughs> that's, that's a toughie. But nobody knows what he sounds like, so. That's a toughie. But a Jew my father's age is really hard for me to nail down, so <laughs> it's in the ballpark for me. Dude, right, do, you have a, do you have an emerging John Ossoff? John, John Ossoff, just a sexy guy, knows the best about Georgia and defeating evil like David Perdue. 
It's very niche. My very most, niche. My very most niche. Very niche. I don't even know what he sounds my like. My most niche political impression is Chuck Grassley. Here we go. Uh, all right. Is it his Twitter profession? It's his Twitter impersonation? It's or? Chuck Grassley during the Kavanaugh hearings, and he would just go, Senator Leahy, <laughs> Senator Leahy, we're going to be <laughs> to the floor. <laughs> Senator Leahy. He's out of his mind. I have no idea. Yeah. Assumed you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any impersonations you feel like you can't do because it's not politically correct? That's interesting. I mean, you know, not necessarily. I mean, you, I, I just go for vocal and physical accuracy, you know. But so. you told me that Biden is a challenge. Biden's a challenge, yeah. Listen, Why? folks, he's just so hard to do. I can't really do him yet. I, I have to wander away from the microphone if I do him. Just somehow get lost at this party. I don't it's know. It's more physical than voice. Yeah, he's right? a little more physical. <laughs> and when you're a star, they let you get physical, right? You can do anything. We all know that. What's your favorite one to do? Your bomb is incredible, by the way. Pop culture-wise, Jeff Goldblum is a big one for yep. me. Oh, wow. I just did him on The Simpsons. Uh, it's a, oh, my golly, very sensual, very happy. Wait a second. Here. I thought The Simpsons is always about getting uh, the real yeah, actors. Well, maybe they couldn't afford him. Yeah. Uh, I swooped in, very happy to substitute. Wow, we just yeah. broke some news here. Yes, we did. Sometimes there's ringers. Sometimes, sometimes there are ringers on yes. The Simpsons. Yeah, but the Howard's a big one. I've been going on his show a lot recently yes. as him. Right. So and does he love great. it? Because Howard he is so self-obsessed. It's the only impression he's ever loved. So there you go. Mm. Yeah, it is. So tell Olivia and tell Ryan about your four-year-old experience with Austin Powers. Yeah. Have you seen the movie? Of course. Awesome. Of yeah. course. Uh, have you seen the movie? What? Yeah. Of course. Hello? I watched the movie when I was four years old, and that's what got me obsessed with comedy. Yeah. So that's that's what happened. How old are you now? Because you 24. look just a little older than four right yeah, now. You're 17. <laughs> yeah. You I'm just 24. got your learner's permit. Yeah. Right? Me and George Santos. Yeah, both of us. Yeah. 24 years old. Actually, you got... So that, that movie became obsessed with. What That's was your first good one? What was the first one you felt like you nailed? From that movie? Like, or just in general, impersonation. I would do my grandfather and my uncle and family members and my teachers and Major Garrett. You yes. know, when I was five did years you do, old. Did you, can you do Major Garrett? Let's no, hear it. There is no imitation. Major Garrett is the one impression to get women to be sexually attracted to me at parties. <laughs> it I'm kills. On, I'm on it stage kills. in the clubs and right. we go, do Major Garrett right now. All right, wait, Austin Powers. <laughs> yes. Ivana Humbelot. That is a phrase that's yeah. never been said yeah. at any party anywhere in any city in America. Let's do Major Garrett. That's never been said. I'm Major Garrett. That voice you Thank just you heard, Ryan Lizza, Politico. We're here at the Correspondence Center pre-party. That's right. Coming to you live from the Politico CBS News pre-party on the patio of the Washington Hilton before the White House Correspondence Dinner. I'm Major Garrett. Ryan Lizza, say hello. Hello, everyone. I'm That's sorry. I was, right. I was distracted because I saw Justin Thoreau walking by. Yes. Actor from the, the new HBO series, The White House Plumber. So we're going to try and get you know, him. And I'm so out of it, I thought it was Henry Thoreau. Anyway, <laughs> Kelly Armstrong is at the microphone. She is a Republican from North Dakota. He just told me... You do the job of 38 Texans? Yeah, that's about right. Two York Senators, 38 Texans. All right, explain what that means. It means that I represent the whole state of North Dakota. That's right. 30, it takes 38 Texans to do that for that state, right? That's exactly right. Is that your is that joke kill at home? It does. It usually <laughs> kills when there's one Texan in the room. I got it. Because, yes, very good. Also at the microphones, Nancy Cordes, our senior White House correspondent. Nancy, great to have you here. Major, you're looking very dapper. Uh, yes. Great. Yes. Uh, we don't have a camera. We don't have a camera. That's so why I, I look dapper. I want to <laughs> I always look most dapper when there are no cameras around. This is like a brocade, mm -hmm. a blue, very and blue. Brocade yes. with a blue. I would not have known that word. Yes. 
You're looking fantastic. It's very French you know Revolution. That, did, you know French that word? Revolution. did you know that that's what it's called? When my wife told it to me, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> brocade or jacquard? Oh, wow. My wife said right. brocade, so now you're just it's showing, brocade. Now you're just showing off. Yes. In North Dakota, we call it camouflage. Yes. Do you wear that get up in North Dakota? Do you wear a tuxedo there ever? And if you do, can you return? all of those things. There are parties in North Dakota, really? Once in a while, yeah. What, like every other like every other decade or something? Yeah, it's usually a governor's ball every four years. I see, okay. All right. What, what environment would this work as camouflage? Yeah. Was this for good for a duck hunt? I think pretty much only this dinner. Take this out on a duck hunt? Would we go to this? There would be some version of that that hunters wear. It would not look as or Or, or, or AMAT, right? Or, or AMAT, yeah. right. Okay, good. So, so These couplings are very snazzy as well, I have to say. My wife bought them for me. There we go. Another visual that you can't see on live radio, ladies and gentlemen. So, Congressman Kelly Armstrong, uh, why are Republicans deciding to shut the whole government down with the debt thing. Well, I would say Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives have only, are the only ones that have passed a bill to raise the debt. Of course ceiling, you so. would say that. So we're going to continue to move forward. We're going to do that. What does moving forward look like? Well, I, I think the ball right now is in, you know, we have the White House, but we also have a lot of Democrats in districts like Pennsylvania, Montana, Ohio, West Virginia, that may have a little different motivations than necessarily my, my colleagues in the House that are also up for election and have different constituencies that agree with us on things like NEPA reform and some of those issues. So Will the government default, yes or no? God, I hope not. That no, would be no. a terrible, terrible thing. You hope not, but yeah. can you say for sure it will not happen? So I've been in Congress for five years now, okay. and I can't say for sure for anything until the ink is dry on anything that's signed. Right. Congressman, the White House is going to say, why should we negotiate with Republicans, come up with some compromise that far-right Republicans are then going to reject, and they won't vote for it because it's not what they originally signed off on. Well, and then they will say the same thing they always say, and I would say what President Biden said when uh, George Bush was president, that you have to negotiate a debt ceiling. I, everybody hates this line because we use it too much, except I don't know a better way to say it. If you can't talk about your spending when you've maxed out your credit card, I don't know when is a better time to talk about it. And to be fair to a lot of my colleagues on my side of the aisle, I'm glad they're back. Uh, I, I, in weird spaces, I got called a rhino for not sending $2,500 checks to everybody. So these are issues that I cared about when I got elected in 18, and I'm going to continue to push for it. Why should the president negotiate over rolling back legislative accomplishments that he has already achieved and signed into law? And that he fought so hard for. Why, why would he do that? Because he, we should come to the table. A lot of the things that we passed over have had bipartisan Democratic support in the past. Work requirements for able-bodied adults without minor kids at home was a Bill Clinton proposal. Yep. There are a lot of Democrats in the Senate that actually support NEPA reform. Anybody who knows, by the way, if you if you support all of this green and renewable energy, you don't have to take my word for it. Two months ago, the Wall or the New York Times had an article said, great for all your wind and solar projects, good luck plugging them in. We have to figure out how to do some of these things. Not, at least in my opinion, nothing's a red line, but we're not interested in the clean debt ceiling interest. We have to hear that one trillion seconds ago, not 32 trillion seconds ago, one trillion seconds ago, woolly mammoths walked the earth. One of the problems with our debt is it is such a big number, nobody understands it. And if we can't have a reasonable conversation, and by the way, there are a lot of Democrats that actually agree with us. Even before we passed the bill that nobody thought we were going to pass, 
you are starting to see anonymous quotes that saying the White House is making a mistake by not negotiating with Republicans. Right. So, so go ahead. Quickly, right, just right, on Kevin right. McCarthy, a lot of people thought he would be, you know, ousted as Speaker by, uh, by, this, by this point. Again, he squeaked by, got, got, this, got this through, but as always, kind of done ugly. Do you think people underestimate him? And what's the secret so far to him um, not being thrown out? Yeah, I mean, and I think we, like, we have the attention span of a fruit fly. Like, I remember sitting in my office for 18 hours while Speaker Pelosi couldn't get the votes for a rule on the floor with the same five-vote majority. But I will tell you, in a really uh, unique and interesting way, I actually think the Speaker fight helped this. And the reason is... He's, he understood... I spent a lot of time in the minority seeing a bill that got written at midnight and voting on it at noon the next day. I'm just telling you, that's not a Freedom Caucus problem with Republicans, that's a Kelly Armstrong problem. The only reason this worked is because they had engaged everybody from all different sections months right, in advance. Right. And can we do it for every single thing? I don't think so. Um, I think the overall benefit to the House is worth losing a vote once in a while on the floor. I mean, Congressman, you do get extra credit for, in the span of less than three minutes, mentioning Wooly Mammoths and fruit flies. Yeah. Okay, I do give you extra credit for that. Nancy, you want to ask something? I have to admit, I was among those who were shocked that you were able to pass this bill because we've seen Republicans time and time again over the past decade dilute their own leverage because you couldn't keep the party together. On Paul Ryan major couldn't do it. John Barron Banner couldn't do it. We got it done. So what was the secret sauce this time? So I think you have a 2.30 a.m. You have to make some corrections in the Rules Committee and you have to get guys like Thomas Massey and Chip Roy to vote for it. How? The only, because they were in the room two months ago. Right. Because they were actually at the table. We didn't try and force anything down either the conservatives' throats or the moderates' throats. We knew we had a problem with biofuels on Friday or Saturday. Like, we knew we had that problem. And because everybody had been listened to and there's at least, there's some trust going on right here, you can make those changes and nobody felt like they got to shove down their throats. And that's what's key for us to succeed. So, five so Congressman Armstrong, paint us a picture. How does this end? So hopefully, paint us a picture. Your optimistic picture, so, realistic. My hope, my hope is that there are enough Democratic senators that say, "All right, something's over here. Now it's time to sit down. Now we have to negotiate because anything we get back from the Senate is going to have to have Democratic support, and then we'll have all kinds of different fights in the Republican Party on our side. But at least we're in the game. At least we're negotiating. At least we're talking about it. I, like I said, personally for me, there's not a single thing in that package that's a red line. I want to see a change in trajectory of spending. Meaning, when you say there's nothing in it that's a red line, if something drops out, you could still vote for it. Yeah, I want to see something that has us on a path to spend less money now than we did yesterday and figure out a way to get some fiscal sanity into Washington, There's a lot of flexibility in what you just said. There's supposed to be. It's a negotiation. I was a criminal defense attorney for 10 years. I negotiated way worse positions than this. Do you, wish some, of, do you wish some of your colleagues had the same uh, uh, malleability? Flexibility. Yeah. So I w I've always said, and you know, I'm really conservative. I come from a conservative state. I think my biggest difference with a lot of my friends uh, on, on the right out here is I'm an incrementalist. I want positive change. I recognize 50% of the country doesn't agree with me on any given thing, right? 51-49 Senate, five-vote majority. Well, given your place in the Republican conference, maybe even maybe even less than that. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I don't have a delegation, so I have to have friends everywhere else, so it makes sense. All right, we have got to go, ladies and gentlemen. The live process for the Politico takeout, CBS Politico collaboration is completed. That was a hell of a lot of, a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, letting me. Ryan, it was great to have you. Nancy, Major. Kelly, we'll see you all.
The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News.